My name is Scott Challoner and this is the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on what is a very bleak and cool winter day here in the capital, but I'm delighted to say that joining me on the show to hopefully add a little bit of warmth and brightness to affairs is first and foremost David Agar, and secondly as well we have John Gibson with us. Now David is a highly experienced tech sector entrepreneur specialising in creating value and scaling innovative and disruptive businesses in the UK, EU and US, and John Gibson is Managing Director at Aventus Law and Mediation Works UK, who of course also sits on the Leaders Council. Um, both of you, thank you so much for coming in and it's a real pleasure having you both on the programme today. Thank you, Scott. What an exciting opportunity today to speak to David about these, this amazing idea. It yes, is, exactly. Uh, thank you, John, and thanks, Scott, uh, for this opportunity. You're really looking forward to it. Yes, likewise. Of course, what we are here to discuss today, just to contextualise for the listeners tuning in, is uh, David's startup company, Ability Bank, which is in the process of building an inclusive digital banking solution for society's most vulnerable. Now, I suppose the first thing that we should establish is why this move has been necessary, because outwardly, people are going to look at this and they might think, oh, well, online banking is easy and convenient enough, but it isn't quite as straightforward as that, is it? No, very very much it isn't uh, the case. Um, I think um, it's very easy for uh, for people who, um, who, for example, do not have a disability um, or are very comfortable uh, about using, you know, either not just digital banking, but uh, but also just just using anything uh, digitally, whether it's your mobile phone or laptop or whatever. Um, you just automatically assume that it's if it works for you, then it must work for everybody else. But that most definitely is not the case, um, particularly for um, for societies more vulnerable people, um, where uh, and people with disabilities. Um, whether it be, um, be neurological, uh, which might include autism, um, or uh, sensory, which could include size or hearing, um, or indeed physical. Um, so, you know, there are, and, and the numbers that we're talking about here um, are in, measured in the millions. So uh, it really is a, um, a significant um, challenge for these people to um, even just experience what we all take for granted. Interesting. And David, yeah. Scott, I hope you don't mind me jumping in and adding something in that regard too. Yeah, of course. I would suggest that this open banking platform, it, it doesn't just optimise digital accessibility. It reduces anxiety for people. It helps them with their state of mind. There are so many vulnerable people out there who just can't get to grips. And, and not just people with a, a, a recognised disability, but perhaps the not-so-tech-savvy people. And this uh, this really does help people with their state of mind, I would suggest, not just in terms of helping business or finance. It's, um, it's a wonderful way of helping people. Yeah, it's yeah a, that's, that's yeah. absolutely right, John. Um, to be, on the one hand, you've got, you know, how do people manage their finances? But there is all the social impact um, of what, you know, when when people are denied in some way uh, of being able to do that easily, um, then you know as a minimum that that can cause increased frustration, um, uh, lack of independence. Um, but 
you know, in more extreme cases, um, just can can build on top of whatever is going through their lives at the moment, yeah. um, leading to mental health issues and, in extreme cases, mm-hmm. financial exclusion. Mm. Yeah, the social impact is going to be huge, isn't it? Uh, because there are some 20% of adults in the UK at the moment that experience accessibility issues with mobile or online banking applications. And as we touched on there, frustration, isolation and potential financial exclusion are just three consequences to come of that. And they all drive that sort of lasting negative social impact that we've touched on. And the open banking platform that Ability Bank is putting together that optimizes the user experience, doesn't it, for those with digital access needs, regardless of their sort of status regarding disability, age, or whatever devices they're using. So these people are being empowered, aren't they, to manage their own finances, and it increases that sense of independence, doesn't it, massively? Yeah, absolutely. It's all about empowerment. Um, so, you know, I think... Um, <clears throat> For a lot of a lot of people who um, traditionally have uh, either struggled or, or shied away from um, from um, using, in this case, banking apps, um, they've they've relied heavily on on uh, using the, uh, the the branch networks. But of course, um, over the last decade, um, we've seen a significant percentage of um, of bank branches being closed down, um, often in sort of smaller towns and, and uh, villages where, in fact, there's no branch banking available. So, you know, what do these what do these customers do? Um, the banks uh, just expect that everybody must go digital. So they want to close the branches down because they, you know, effectively it's a cost to them. Um, and why wouldn't everybody? Um, why would anybody not want to go digital? Well, there are millions of people out there who actually can't go digital in using existing banking apps. So for us, it was about trying to get down to the, the fundamentals involved, which is, you know, um, for everybody, even with a disability, um, you know, it, the responsibility of uh, addressing your assistive technology needs, for example, if you um, are blind and you, um, you know, in, in order to get by digitally, one of the first things that you will need to do is, is have a screen reader. But, but the responsibility is for you to understand what you need uh, secondly, to be able to source that, and thirdly, to be able to configure it uh, across whichever devices that you're using in order to be able to, for it to provide a benefit to you. Now, you know, for some people, that's not a problem. Um, they're sufficiently tech-savvy, and they're capable of doing that, and they're confident in doing that. But for many others, then they have to perhaps rely on friends or family or a colleague to do that, or, you know, even in uh, more extreme cases, um, if they're receiving care, um, sometimes they, they actually uh, provide their credentials to, uh, to carers in order to, to get them to, to check their accounts or perhaps to make a payment. Uh, and of course, this is a very, very high risk uh, approach to getting things done, mm. but they, have, they feel they have no other option. So what we're trying to do is turn that on its head, completely on its head, so that when um, when when you come on on, on to uh, to the platform, um, first of all, we assume no tech savviness whatsoever. Um, all we all we will do is we will lead you through through um, different questions that we will find out exactly where you're at, um, what your level of comfort is, um, what your required uh, needs are, and as we are learning more about you, 
the platform will um, uh, dynamically uh, reconfigure itself uh, to, to make it easier as we go further along the onboarding journey. And then, of course, at the end of the, of the onboarding, um, we, will, uh, we will therefore know what your needs are so that every time in the future that you log back in, uh, we automatically can access this, uh, this information and say, right, okay, uh, John Smith has now logged on. Um, he has a requirement for onto this particular type, point size, color contrast, and, and all the other different um, variables that go to make up the, uh, the optimized user experience for each individual. Fantastic, yeah, isn't it? So but, true. Yeah. There's, also, there's millions of people. Is it over three million people, David, that don't yeah. have use for a bank of a banking app at the moment. Mm. And this will just make everything so much more comfortable for people, won't it? Yeah, that's right. Um, there was a 2020 survey um, amongst people with disabilities, um, and this obviously this doesn't include people who um, don't have a recognised disability, um, but who are still uh, wary of using um, anything digital. But in that survey, 43% of UK adults with digital access needs said that they did not use banking apps to manage their finances. And 43% is a mind-blowingly large figure. Wow. It's incredible, isn't it? It's a staggering figure. And it's going to change the landscape in a hurry, oh. isn't it? Once this is all up on board. I hope so. That's, that's, that is our goal. Um, see, part, of, part of the reason why you know, we're doing this um, and you, know, you could ask the question, well, why haven't the banks done it? Well, there's a number of different reasons. Um, firstly, they're not regulated to do it. Um, the FCA, uh, Financial Conduct Authority, who basically set out the ground rules um, for all the banks and financial institutions to, uh, to adhere to, um, with them, it's, um, it's an advisory. It's a very strong advisory, but it's an advisory nonetheless. If the bank doesn't do it, or if the bank uh, chooses to go a certain way uh, down the road, then you know they they can feel perhaps confident that they've uh, they've they've met the expectation. But as I said, there's no prescriptive regulation here, so each bank's um, idea of what that might look like is is <laughs> what they will what they will look to deliver. Um, another reason is because. You know, um, banks, uh, generally speaking, are working uh, on certainly the, the traditional high street banks. Um, they're working with legacy systems, mm. and these legacy systems go back to many, many decades ago. Um, and um, there, there is a uh, an ongoing fear, I would say, uh, of you know how much change you make to these legacy systems, in the with the risk possibly of them breaking. And we saw only a few years ago, uh, not many years ago, that um, a similar thing happened to um, uh, to the TSD migration to its new owner, mm. and um, the bank uh, bank customers were without service for several weeks, and in some cases um, longer than that. Um, so, you know, the, 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 there's a there's a level of uh, hesitancy uh, within banks to uh, to really make um, significant changes to, uh, to to their legacy systems. Um, but hopefully, um, that's also part of the um, motivation for banks to to work with fintechs um, uh, such as ourselves, who can specialise in, in 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 bringing certain things to the party as a as a, a third party integration, rather than um, 
you know, attacking or, or, or impacting significantly on their on their core systems. But you know, enough of the technical yeah. stuff. Bottom line is, mm. people are um, more vulnerable. People are not being offered the opportunity to have the same level of experience as others, um, and that's something that we are going to change. Exactly sure. right. Exactly right. And this could be the world's most inclusive digital accessibility technology. Um, that's the bottom line, isn't it? This technology platform could enable everybody yeah. with access needs yes. to easily manage their digital banking. Yeah. And, you know, also we're, we're, we're talking about banking because uh, the first iteration of this will be focusing on, uh, based on an open banking platform to, to allow people to manage their finances more easily. But the technology forget banking, you can insert any sector that you like um, so that when we have done this initial development, then the uh, the, the goal will be to um, to, to further uh, develop this so that it can work with any uh, across any sector uh, in any market. So it's very much a global vision. You know, we're not restricting this to the UK, um, although we're starting in the UK. It's not a UK-only solution. Um, we want to help as many people uh, on the planet as possible. And, you know, according to the World Health Organization, um, there are over a, a billion people on this planet um, who have a recognized disability um, alone. Uh, but then, of course, you can you know, significantly add to that um, the, uh, the amount of people who, who just generally speaking, um, are uncomfortable or even incapable uh, of um, of using digital services um, for whatever reason. Yeah. David, when you first mentioned this to me, the first person that came to my mind was my mum. And right. um, whereas she has mobility issues, mm -hmm. um, she's sharp as anything <laughs> in yeah. the mid to late 70s. Yeah. But she has, she's uncomfortable with banking. Apps and she doesn't engage with digital banking. And there's a conflict there because the banking industry worldwide has this drive to move towards digital banking and not use cash. And I think it's on yeah. the website of some of the major banks and how they're working with tech partners. But it doesn't seem from the research I've done that anybody's engaged with this aspect making people feel comfortable, people who wouldn't traditionally be comfortable. So I'm so proud. I'm, pr I'm so proud to be a member of the Leaders' Council. But I'm so proud to be your friend, David. Mm. But, <laughs> well, to well, work with you on this. But it's, it's a wonderful um, drive towards helping people. It really is. Vulnerable people. Mm. People who would be less comfortable with it, not for this idea. Yeah, and they'd be locked out of the service, wouldn't they, without this this development? Because if with this drive toward digital, I mean, ultimately, if there's a whole demographic of people that aren't comfortable with digital banking, you're locking that group of people out of banking services. So something like this, it's necessary, absolutely. Well, well that's the thing, John. You mentioned about you know the first person you thought of was your mum. It's actually not to do with intelligence. At all. No, she's very clever. Um, I was talking to somebody the other the other week, um, and they said, "Oh, when I was they're asking me what I, what, uh, what what I was doing, what Ability Bank was about." And so I explained, and and likewise, you know, they they said, oh, "Well, funnily enough, 
Um, I, uh, I I recently got my uh, my my elderly parents, who were who are both retired doctors, so you know intelligent people. Um, I I bought them an iPad so that I could keep in touch with them, but also that they could do their digital banking. Um, and uh, but then they said, but but they they don't like to use it for digital banking because they're they're scared. You know. Yeah. Um, and you know I think it's. Even even down to some of the language that's used within existing apps. So, you know, when you're going through the process to make a payment, and then just as the penultimate step, it's like, are you sure? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, are we really sure? I don't know. If we are <laughs> sure. Let's let's not do it. Um, so, um, but, but but it's an important point um, that you raise about um, how this resonates with with people. You mentioned your mum as an example. I recounted that, um, um, that that story about uh, somebody I was speaking to. But um, almost without fail, um, everybody who, who learns about Ability Bank and what its aims are and who it's looking to help and why, they they almost all immediately come back with um, a, a story about either uh, an immediate family uh, relative or, or a close friend or, uh, or work colleague. Um, yeah. Because because they can they've had experience of this but not necessarily understood it in in, in this context. No, mm. and it's so real. These are real people with mm. discomfort at the moment who you can bring comfort. So there's there's talk of of course this is lasting change for society in line with diversity and inclusion, but to a lot of people those are just fancy words. What this really means is just making people feel so much more comfortable and ease of use and it'll be so easy for people to use yeah. their banking um, in, a, in a much more comfortable way. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And I think as well, the, the you, you touched on the point of um, what's known as the cashless society. So um, the, the trend was over the last decade has, has been to, there's been a reduced uh, volume of cash transactions um, yeah. And the increase in, um, in credit and debit card transactions. So, so the trend was already there. But then, when the pandemic happened, and the the instruction went out, you know, stay at home, um, offices, businesses, you know, shut up shop. Um, that obviously meant, from a banking point of view, that um, that all the branches needed to close temporarily. Mm-hmm. So, what what do or what did all the people who um, who previously were reliant on branches? Um, what, what position were they put in? Um, they were put in an impossible position um, because you know they if they were if they were if they had personal mobility issues, then you know maybe they couldn't even get out to uh, to a, a sort of a, a cash machine to, to take cash out. But but even if you have cash, how can you complete a transaction or buy something? Um, if you're not stood in front of somebody, so True. you know, mm. this kind of goes back uh, without getting too legal about it to the 2010 Equality Act, um, where you know it, there's a clear message there which says that um, nobody is meant to be um, uh, 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 um, put into a situation where they um, are disadvantaged compared to others. And but, but yeah. that's exactly what 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 has been and, and still currently is the case. And so, you know, uh, I, I 
I have a, a little phrase which I use, which is that, that the people that we're trying to help here are the world's largest minority. Wow. Mm. Yes, that's so true. And it's these people who've been afflicted by the digital divide that I think we've seen manifest itself more greatly than ever before during the COVID-19 pandemic, isn't it? It's bringing that disadvantage into this sort of world of accessibility. And it just shows how necessary this is. We're seeing it all across society at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think I think, I think the... the, the um there were many, many um, uh, initiatives and examples uh, during during the pandemic, and, and how um, we, certainly in the UK, uh, responded to that. Where we kind of, you know, there was the Thursday, you know, clap for the for the uh, for the NHS, um, etc. Where I think I think we as a society, we we sort of suddenly had time to stop and think um, about actually. Think about others, you know, and become a little bit more more caring, or certainly open to being more caring about others and appreciative of others' uh, situations. Um, so whether it be you know just checking in on your next door neighbour or, or or whatever, um, but but I think the the, the society's um, consciousness uh, towards um, being more caring has has really uh, reached a tipping point, um, so that. I think all, all these things coming together, it's almost like the perfect storm. Mm. Um, uh, and, and obviously we want to be, we want to be there. We want to make sure that we, we're out there as quickly as possible um, so that we can add real value to and uh, make a real lasting social impact on people's lives. Mm. And it was a it's course, a social yeah. good, David, isn't mm. it? You've mentioned this. I can remember it sounds like a mission statement to me, but I think it just reflects your personality. <laughs> the phrase was, Helping society's most vulnerable. I wrote it down. I've got it here. <laughs> Helping society's most vulnerable people by building the world's best accessibility technology for social good. Yeah. I think this has been something that's been developing you throughout your life. We've known each other quite a long time now, haven't we, David? And yeah. I can see that you're a man of ideas. But one idea hits another and it sparks into a third. And then that third hits another, it sparks into a fourth and, and so on. And I think it reflects your personality in the end. And you're a really caring man who likes to help people. And um, I think this has developed from your mind, if you don't mind me saying. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> it no, seems not. to be in line with that. Mm. It's so yeah. good. It's wonderful. It is. Very, it very, is. Uh, very kind of you to say that, John. Um, I think you know, I've always taken the, uh, the view, um, going back to when I had my, my very first business, which is some time ago now, uh, that, um, you know, first of all, everybody who joins you, they're, they're on the journey. They have their own contribution to make. And the, um, the, the, there is no monopoly on having the best ideas that sits with the founder or the CEO. Um, far from it. Um, it. You will get to your destination faster, more effectively, and have a lot more fun if everybody on that journey understands where we're trying to get to and feels that yeah. their contribution will be valued. So sure. you know, I, I've always taken the approach of having, um, you know, an inclusive approach, I guess you could call it. Mm. Um, and so um, over the years, you, you know, you, you, as you say, you, you kind of you, you gain experience, you, you, you gain knowledge, um, and you can always retain that and, and um, uh, pull upon that 
in order to ensure that whatever it is that you're working on now or today or tomorrow um, can it, it is the best it can be, uh, which is what I'm trying to do now. So I guess, although I didn't, you know, I, I do call myself a tech sector entrepreneur, and this is very much uh, in terms of the, the solution, this is a tech solution, but, but the reality is it's something for social good. Um, and, you know, doing something that's good actually makes you feel good. That's how I feel. Mm. And that's yeah. social good it's as well. It's not your first start, yeah. is it? You've had a few. And it's a combination of your ideas in a way, isn't it? Yeah, I guess it is. Um, so this would be my uh, my fifth startup. Um, uh, I started off in, in, um, in the very early days of mobile communications. Mm. Um, and then that sort of... Uh, went um, my first business had uh, offices in the, in the UK and the US and also in Europe, um, uh, and then that morphed into um, uh, sort of a, a different strands of within uh, communications uh, called IoT, the Internet of Things, which um, uh, helps to um, to enable us to have more information that we can use uh, to make better informed decisions about about pretty much everything. Um, and then uh, about six years ago, I, I, I got into financial services. And um, during the course of that, that's when I sort of uh, came up with this or came across the, the problem. So um, I, uh, my, my, my son is dyslexic uh, and um, I was with a startup and we were, we were going, it's an FCA regulated startup. And we were going through the process of getting the, uh, the license in place and then building out the, uh, the proof of concept and the, the, um, the MVP, the minimum viable product, to, to the point where we were ready to beta launch. And during all of that development and, and time spent with, uh, with CTOs and uh, uh, chief technology officers and, and with development teams, nobody, including myself, mentioned the word accessibility. Now, um, that particular uh, service was to was going to end up with an app, a mobile app, uh, for people to use to make payments um, to send money uh, overseas. Uh, and you know, it doesn't. The, the stats don't change. You know, up to twenty percent of your audience um, are likely to have um, disability and/or accessibility needs. But yeah, we had I never mentioned it. We've never catered for it, uh, and so potentially we're only ever going to hit eighty percent of our target audience. Yeah. Uh, so you know, there's a for businesses out there, all businesses, um, there is a um, the, the more the sooner they are aware of this and uh, cater for um, uh, the, the the world's largest minority, then you know there are actually bottom line benefits to, um, to putting in the effort in this area. Well, it strikes me that all the practicalities have been taken care of. But yeah. where's the humanity? Mm. <laughs> where was the talk about people's feelings <laughs> and how comfortable they were in the state of mind? And I think it takes somebody who's got that kind of philosophy, such as you, David, mm. to put two ideas together like that and think, hmm, there's a lot of people here who really need help. Mm. Well, I think, I think uh, because cause my son is dyslexic, um, you know, even though I'm not, I, I obviously have a kind of a, um, uh, a once removed understanding of, mm. of some of the challenges. I don't profess to understand all of the challenges, but uh, but certainly some of them. And right. so therefore, um, when 
it came to uh, an appropriate time to open a bank account for him, uh, he, I, I had to do it in the end on his behalf because you know he he would have failed. He, he wouldn't have known how to go about it. Uh, he wouldn't have understood the process or anything like that. And so, had I not been his dad, um, and you know, if he'd literally been on his own, then he would have probably fallen into um, that group of people who were financially excluded. It would have been awful, wouldn't it? It would have been terrible. How will it make people feel more comfortable, practically? I think, I think once, once they're on board, um, and that then all of a sudden they can actually see, you know, on their screen or their mobile phone or, or, or other device, iPad or whatever, um, that they can see um, their their financial footprint right in front of them. So they'll be able to see their transactions yeah. in a way that they can understand. And there'll be lots of other things that we're, we're other sort of value adds that we'll be um, incorporating uh, to make. And it's not just seeing it. It's it, this is for the sight impaired too. Mm. Oh no, absolutely. The main drive. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because you know there are um, two million people in the UK who are um, uh, registered blind. Yeah. And you know, there's there's six million who are uh, uh, been assessed as being dyslexic. You know, the, the numbers just keep on going. And so, um, but but we 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 understand. And when we want to support um, people's learning, um, so that particularly if you've not been used to um, being able to or being in a position where you could manage your own finances, and you know, for some people it's like, oh gosh, um, I've now got access to all this information. I can see it. I can understand it. Uh, or I can manage it. But what is it that I'm expected to do now? How can I best manage my finances? Because I have not really been in a position to do that before. So, you know, we will have um, things within the dashboard, um, so like financial management tools, mm. etc. Um, again, none of this will be techno-speak. None of this will be uh, complex uh, in terms of how it's presented to the user. It will all yeah. be as if you and I were talking face-to-face and, and you were asking a question to explain something and I was saying it to you. Yeah. Um, it will, it's, it's a human approach. Simple English. Yeah. yeah. You've mentioned that before, haven't mm. you? Yeah. And that's what it needs to be. It needs to be ultimately accessible, like that, doesn't it? I can't wait to show this to my mum. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And I think we should touch on as well, um, just sort of where we're at with it at the moment. I mean, I understand the business first sort of launched in May of 2020, so during the uh, the pandemic. and. The management team right now is together, but you're working pro bono until sort of funding starts to come into the business. And then you're also, you've also got a charitable pledge for the future to ultimately donate 10% of annual profits to charity partners as well. So there's even more incredible intent there. Yes. So um, the, <clears throat> the position that we're in at the moment is that um, we, uh, we started off our, our sort of, uh, research and development uh, stage in, in May 2020, and um, we carried on with that uh, until towards the end of that year. Then we had uh, sufficient um, information together to be able to put together the um, uh, the, the bones of a uh, of a proof of concept. So 
uh, for anybody who's not familiar with Drupal concepts, this uh, basically uh, turns out to be um, uh, an example of, of working out, shall we say, in, in limited form. Mm. But something that's tangible that you can see on a device, um, which would uh, take you through the experience of, of you know, how you go through the onboarding process and then how you um, see what, uh, what the information that's available to you once you've um, completed that. Um, and indeed, to, to make a payment, uh, make payments to different parties. So, um, so that's not that's not launched publicly, but it's it's uh, it was just something for for us to be able to show to others. And uh, we were uh, we we, we uh, applied for um, an Innovate UK grant to support that build, uh, which was were successful in, which I'm, I'm uh, eternally grateful uh, towards the uh, the guys at Innovate UK for supporting that. And, um, and so once that was completed, that meant that we were able to begin talking to prospective partners. Um, um, and partners for us really covers two sides of the coin. On the one side, um, we are talking to um, to many of the leading disability charities mm. um, because, you know, they are obviously, uh, their, their reason for existing uh, is that they're looking out for the, the best interests of their communities. And uh, many of them have uh, digital inclusion teams. And so um, we uh, have been discussing with them and saying, well, you know, this is, this is what we're planning to do. We'd very much like to, um, to partner with you so that, you know, we can share information. You can, you can download to us um, the kind of things that, that would make it ideal for, for your community uh, in order to be able to manage their finances um, so that we can we can finesse our solution to accommodate that. Um, and so at the end of that, it means that, um, you know, the, the, the relevant communities that we're, that we're um, the bodies that we're, we're working with that, uh, that support those people, um, they've actually got something which is, you know, almost customized to, mm-hmm. um, uh, to meet the specific needs of the people they represent, which is really fantastic. Um, that's on the, on the one side of things. The mm. flip side to that is um, is on the uh, on the business side. So um, potential partners for us would uh, include working with um, uh, with with sponsors, uh, which could be corporate organisations, also with banks, because you know this is this is not about you know working with a bank, for example, to give them some kind of um, uh, exclusive um, um, benefit. Um, and, and a differentiator to uh, to to only offer it to their customers. This is this is way 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 above that. Um, and in fact, you know, when it's almost the first thing that I that I talk to when I'm when I'm speaking with uh, uh, with, with potential banks and financial institutions, just to get it out, elephant uh, in the room, uh, well and truly uh, uh, spotlighted, uh, is to uh, is to ensure that. They're participating because they see the greater good. You know, yes, there will be a commercial return, mm. but you know we are pledging ten percent of all our profits to, uh, to be distributed across our partner charities. So it's very much about giving, doing good, tech for good, and um, putting putting aside the, uh, the, the sort of the, the, the regular corporate um, greed, if you like. Um, uh, with, and taking the opportunity to um, to grasp the nettle and say, yeah, 
I'm prepared to yeah. work with everybody because this is all about inclusion uh, and inclusivity. And there's a beautiful no... ethos there, isn't there? Mm. A wonderful, wonderful mission statement or objective. And it, it's not just an excellent business idea. If there are any partners out there listening to this and thinking, wow, this sounds amazing, um, you welcome partnerships, don't you? And working together to empower people and um, help inclusivity of uh, vulnerable people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the more, as I said, we're all about inclusivity. So there's nobody that we're going to exclude <laughs> um, as long as. That they are, you know, they, they buy into to, to the goals that we're, we're looking to achieve. So yeah, any any prospective partners who would like to find out more uh, or feel that um, that this is in line with um, perhaps their thinking on on things like, you know, ESG, um, environmental, social, and governance, which is which is very much uh, the hot topic of the moment mm. uh, for for many organisations. Um, but you know. It's one thing to talk about, you know, all the all the high level sort of ESG stuff, um, but on a practical level, how does that manifest itself? How can a how can a, 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 a large organisation that has these policies, ESG policies, documented and, and so yeah, that's one tick in the box. But actually, it's not about ticking the box; it's about what you deliver. Um, and so I think you know, working with us, for example, uh, we can give them a real opportunity. To show some um, uh, some some results um, and some um, absolutely hands-on um, involvement, where they can legitimately put their hand in the air and say, "Yeah, this is these are our, our views on ESG," and working with Ability Bank is one of the ways in which we help to deliver this. Yeah, wonderful. Disruptive innovation is a, a tremendous opportunity for many people, isn't it? Not just to make money from a business point of view which of course is why a lot of people get out of bed, but also mm. to feel satisfied and happy that people have made a difference and really helped people. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I always say, if after all of this effort and putting it all together, uh, which I know it will it will come, we're, we're still going through a fundraiser at the moment uh, to help us on to the next step, but if we can just help one person, that would be... That would yeah. be sufficient for me to feel mm. that we've actually achieved something and that's what it's all about isn't it that's what essentially makes all of the effort worthwhile that sort of social good and i think that ethos working with that ethos showing that persistence that eventually is going to reap the rewards isn't it compared to being more profit orientated yeah 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 I totally agree totally agree i think you know there, there are other organizations which have um, recently uh, come to the fore as well. So um, there's a, an organisation called the Valuable 500, um, which is an amazing organisation, um, uh, which was uh, the brainchild of uh, Dr. Caroline Casey. And what she wanted to do, what her vision was, was to um, uh, invite uh, 500 leading organisations across the world who would make a commitment within their organizations for, to increase um, inclusion and diversity, but with particular focus on, um, uh, on, on disability. So whether that means um, uh, um, being more proactive in terms of um, employing and considering people with disabilities, 
roles, um, but but also um, having um, um, having plans and and, uh, and and goals to to actually make a difference when it comes to anything to do with disability and inclusion. So you know if you actually uh, check out the, the Valuable 500 and look at the roll call of um, participants. You know, it is literally a, a, an A to Z of um, of leading global organisations. And for the ones who are not part of that at the moment, uh, if you're looking into it, get a move on. If you're not looking into it, shame on you. I don't think you could put it any better than that. Absolutely right. And anybody tuning in that may be interested in, uh, of course, taking part in this. Um, David, what's the best uh, port of call for anyone that may be tuning in to sort of get in touch and really get involved in this incredible initiative? Um, then um, I think the first port of call probably easiest would be um, either to, to go to LinkedIn to my profile page, David Agar, um, or uh, alternatively, um, if you go to, um, to the uh, uh, digitalability.co website, um, and um, uh, but you can email me as well, at David at digitalability.co, and uh, obviously I will uh, I will respond uh, promptly. Absolutely fantastic. Like the future, isn't it? This is how people are going to be helped and feel comfortable in using digital banking. You yeah. proud to be associated with Ability Bank. Well, yeah, you know, I've got to say, John, a uh, big thank you, uh, heartfelt thank you from, from my side too, because um, you know, you've been uh, a really enthusiastic supporter um, uh, from the from the moment that uh, that, that I, I first shared uh, Ability Bank with you, um, and uh, to the point where you know uh, that you're you're very proactive in um, in, in helping us to, uh, to to tread the right path, um, and so thank you very much for that. Well, it's so kind of you, but from the very first moment you started speaking about this, I was so infused by this wonderful idea. Mm. Ability Bank really will help society's most vulnerable people with banking. And the way the banking industry is going towards digital banking rather than cash, it's going to be absolutely necessary that somebody helps these people. And you stepped forward, I think, due to your people personality. You like to help people. You're very caring. And it's one idea fitting another and sparking into a third ability bank is the future, I'm sure of it. Well, you know, maybe there's an element of right place, right time, but you know, um, I reached a certain point in my life where, you know, I, I wanna make a difference mm. and uh, I wanna make a difference for good. At the end of the day, you know, accessibility in any of its forms is a basic human right. So, you know, uh, and and I'm and I'm thrilled as well that um uh, that, that for, for some of the, the support um, that we're, we're already receiving from, um, from some very well-known names, um, not least of which is um, uh, Lord Blunkett, mm. um, who very kindly um, uh, said that um, you know, that he believes Ability Bank will create a significant positive social impact. And as, as I'm sure most of you will know, um, Lord Blunkett is a, a, has been a tireless campaigner mm. uh, in such matters. Um, to do with disability and inclusion, um, and you know we are we are thrilled and um, very proud that, um, that he's recognised that in us, um, and we we really um, um, value his support. Mm. The Leaders Council gets this wonderful message out to people, doesn't it? And David Blunkett leading the Leaders Council is 
an absolutely wonderful ambassador. Yeah. 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 I recall him being incredibly enthused by the whole idea for sure. And he was incredibly impressed by the limitless potential that it, uh, that it certainly does have. And before we do sort of wrap up on the uh, the program uh, today, uh, gentlemen, um, I would like to talk about sort of the immediate future for uh, Mobility Bank. We've spoken a lot about the long-term vision, but as we sort of get to grips with the rest of this new year, 2022, that we find ourselves in, what's on the horizon for Ability Bank in this next 12 months? What's this next step going to be? So the next step for us is that we're, we're in the middle of a fundraising round at the moment. Um, which we uh, which we hope to conclude in, in really by uh, by April time, and that will then um, give us the uh, the appropriate resourcing to uh, to, to complete the, um, the the build, which will um, take us to our beta launch. Mm. Um, the beta launch, which would mean that the uh, the, the service will be available for the first time um, to, uh, to to the public, um, should be ready. Other things being equal, um, before the end of the year, um, or at the very worst, it will be ready for the first uh, you know, for January in 2023. I'm hoping we can do it in Q4 for this year, and 2022. And um, once we once we go live, then that's when the real work starts, mm. um, because you know chasing um, chasing a solution or a platform uh, to help people with uh, with with with, who are vulnerable uh, and perhaps with disabilities, um, it, it's an ongoing thing. You know, we our our goal is to um, make it the best possible user experience for everybody. We know that we will never achieve that, but it won't stop us chasing it. Um, so we'll be learning all the time. We'll be interacting with our users, um, and we'll be definitely be um, open to um, to any form of uh, feedback and, and input. Um, because the bottom line is, we just want to just want to make it um, work and accessible uh, for as many people as possible. We're never a finished product, are we? So it's a constant state of flux, as you say. There, a constant state of improvement, and hopefully, twenty twenty two is going to be the first. Well, I should say, next step on that incredible journey that Ability Bank is on. And I do wish um, you, David, the very, very best of luck in making this vision a reality. And I think over the next few months, as we do start to see things develop, I would relish the opportunity to welcome you back onto the program just to see how things are coming along and how that vision is really starting to be borne out because it's an incredible mission that Ability Bank is on and it deserves and warrants revisiting, I'm certain of that. It's just time. That would, that would be great, uh, Scott, and uh, I would be delighted to do that. Um, I think just one final shout out for me, um, just on a, on a kind of broader um, UK PLC front. You know, this is uh, the, the, the fintech sector, um, the UK fintech sector is, um, is is global market leading, and um, it this is another opportunity uh, for for the UK to to really show what it can deliver, um, and in our case, uh, with something that has uh, global scalability, uh, but to make a real um, a real difference to people's lives. So, you know, um, I, I think the, the UK sector uh, has got a tremendous amount to offer, um, particularly post-Brexit, uh, and so we'll be doing our bit to, uh, to try and make that uh, successful. And the key thing is it's a scalable product and it's in the market for 
what I would say are the right reasons to really make a difference to people's lives, which is absolutely incredible. Um, I have to say, David, um, it's been incredible welcoming you onto the uh, the program and yourself as well, John. Thank you both ever so much for joining us. And do take care and stay safe with all still going on in the world as well at the moment. It was a great pleasure welcoming David Agar and John Gibson onto today's program to talk all about Ability Bank and its potential to create real social change. And I do hope that everybody tuning into today's program really enjoyed the interview and relished it just as much as I. If you have been listening into this episode and you feel that you have your own story of success and innovation to share with us here at the Leaders' Council, then by all means, we want to hear from you. So why don't you apply to be on the show as well via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. Until next time, take care, everyone, and goodbye.